Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, ins and outs, news, tips, and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who have made this podcast possible. Of course, they are makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible Custom Stable Sclera Lens. In case you're wondering, I am on the East Coast. My name is Dr. James Diem, and I'm joined by Dr. Roya Habibi on the West Coast. Roya, what's up? Another hour? That's what's what's up? Or gone, I guess? Daylight savings time just passed. Catching up. losing time? (laughs) Something. We're we're slowly trying to figure it out. What, what exactly day week hour it is <laughs> yeah um saving your vision month continues yes and tonight we have a super maybe our biggest fan ever but our best guest for sure that's for sure <laughs> we uh she's actually graced us on the podcast once before but a very right. short snippet so right. we felt it only right to bring her back right now she was here with us uh live at academy when we were in san antonio last October, November, whatever it was. Who knows? But I'm going to give you the honors, Jimmy. Well, none other than the Dr. Jennifer Toronto. She is uh, a, a very good friend of mine and uh, has, has uh, really, you know, gotten me here to where I am. She's, she's looked out for me. She's uh, kept me on the straight and narrow. She is just a total rock star, doctor, uh, friend, mom, uh, wife, just, just an awesome person and uh, very honored and privileged to call her my friend. But for those of you who do not know her, she has a really cool background. She actually is a, a bachelor's in biomedical photographic communications. If you're wondering what the hell is that, you're not alone. I've never heard of that. And uh, so it's, it's actually a great um, a little story. We'll have her help us uh, understand. So she's actually a certified up thalmic angiographer um and that's really kind of where all this started she got a lot of that experience in her undergraduate degree she worked at will's eye um you know in in this in this field um she then went on to get her optometry degree at pco salas that's where we met uh she got got all of the honors all of the awards she was aosa yeah aosa executive council she um uh now uh, well, she she did a residency at uh, Wilmington, Delaware, VA, and um, is is one of the only doctors kicking total butt in uh, Delaware because there's only like five optometrists in Delaware from the last last count. Um, so uh, she she's here with us tonight. She kicks ass, and right now she is pregnant and still kicking major ass, lecturing, consulting, k- taking care of her first child her husband, <laughs> and uh, running um, the specialty lens clinic in her office. Uh, so, Jen, what is up? Hello, hello. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us tonight <laughs> with that whole hey. big rubric of things you have to do on the day. Hey, you know, I'm happy to be here. I am a huge fan, and um, <laughs> that was a super generous introduction. Uh, but, yeah, really, really excited. Cool. 
Well, good. We we have uh, some topics that we want to talk to you about specifically, but we, we also want to engage you in some uh, nonsense talk that we're going to do here. So uh, the boards, One right, One major nonsense talk is yeah. that, well, I guess this isn't nonsense, but third yeah. years just finished boards this week, part Oof. one. That was nonsense. Hallelujah, we're all done with that. <laughs> right? Yeah. It made the Lord. Do you guys Ooh. remember what you did uh, right after Boards Part 1? Do you remember, you know, we actually oh had to take Boards Part 1. I think we were the last one, Roya, to do it on paper. Did you do it on, right? Um, yeah, actually. We did Part 1 on paper, yeah. like in a big room with a number two pencil back do, in my day. Do you remember the rule where they would let you bring in a water bottle, but it could only have a nipple top? <laughs> Only the nipple. Yeah. Somebody was twisted over there at NBO. I think they just wanted a reason to put nipple. I was going to say, they're like, let's write nipple top and see how many people laugh. I didn't. I did not remember that. I think there was a rule about like the wrapper. Like, you, I don't know. I don't think you could have a wrapper on there. Like, it was. So it was crazy. very, very uh, intense. Um, but yeah, we took it in the cafeteria at PCO. I remember that very vividly. And I block. I honestly, I don't remember anything about. I remember weird like moments of just like looking at certain questions. I don't even remember what the questions were, but yeah, I, everything else about it, I forget. I remember what did you do, Jen? Do you remember anything about it? I definitely don't remember, uh, and that's probably because of the activities that were taking place after taking the test. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of fun. Sure. Yeah. So, a lot of anxiety. Exactly. Right? So let, let's, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, boards and we're going to, we're going to have a whole podcast about boards and, you know, a few actually coming in the, in the coming weeks and months. So we're not going to go too much into, but a lot of controversy about boards and scores and pass rates. And so, you know, I thought I just kind of wet, wet everybody's uh, palate about, you know, things we're going to talk about. So just to kind of put into perspective, 2017-2018 pass rate um, for first-timers um, was uh, 72% in 2017 and 18. Back in 2013-2014, uh, it was actually 85%. And that is, that's for first-timers. Um the overall pass rate for part one in 17 and 18 was 54%. And the overall pass rate 2013 was 73%. So the point of what I'm saying, and maybe I'll catch some flack for this, is that it's it's definitely decreased. There's no question about it. You hear lots of, lots of reasons why that is. They made the test harder. They you know did this. They did that. Oh, there's too many schools. We're decreasing the number of, uh, you know, qualified candidates taking this test i don't i don't know i don't know all i know is it's becoming a big topic of conversation and uh something we are going to delve into a little bit more uh on future podcasts anybody anybody else have any comments they'd like to share on that just so glad it's done (laughs) i'm not alone though right you've heard about these controversies in this discussion no i haven't heard about it being harder. I mean, no? but I'm sure you have to get more. Jen, have you heard anything about this? Am I making it up? And wasn't no, 20, you're, you're not, wasn't 2013 not. the year that we, that there was like the scandal? Mm, it, no, it was sure. earlier than that, I think. Cause it was, no. that was before we graduated and we graduated in 14. Yeah. It was two years before we took it. 
It was two years before <sighs> I took it. Yeah, so, so it would it be 2013. Been. It might 100%. have been Yeah, it might have been. You're right. It okay, could it have been. 2012, 2013, for All sure. All right. What were you going to say, Jen? No, I was just going to say, it, it's definitely harder. At least that's what we all said at PCO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, who knows? Anyway. Doctors got to be smarter, I guess. Yeah, come on. I, I did want to bring up one little piece of eye news, and then we'll jump back to our um, our uh, promotional uh, discussion. So uh, thyroid eye disease, maybe not the sexiest, most appealing thing, but it's been popping up on my uh, podcast lately uh, and um, also on my social media feed lately. Has, has either one of you seen anything about thyroid eye disease lately? My social media feed must be more interesting than yours, it's, if that's what's on yours. No, mine, mine is <laughs> super interesting. Graves' disease is an autoimmune disease characterized by autoantibody-stimulating thyroid gland, leading to enlargement and hyperthyroidism, something we are all very familiar with. It features include increased heart rate, increased metabolic rate, ocular abnormalities such as proptosis, Graves-mediated ophthalmopathy um, is also, as we all know, called thyroid eye disease, or TED. Glucocorticoids and radiotherapy are currently the mainstay of treatment for TED, but are associated with inconsistent results and a variety of side effects, such as actually urinary tract infections, glucose intolerance, Cushingoid features, and hot flashes. In addition... Uh, proptosis resolution is minimal when being treated with glucocorticoids and radiotherapy. So, um, you know, one thing that you can do is the, uh, is, is orbital, uh, decompression surgery, but that often can result in other issues like, uh, strabismus. Uh, so there's, there's really nothing out there for these folks. And I have a couple patients with thyroid eye disease and proptosis and just some, some goofy, um, extraocular muscle issues and diplopia. So it's, it's a real issue. Um, so anyway, get to the point, right? There is a new medicine out there that has just been, uh, uh, hit with a couple big studies. It is, uh, Teprotumab, a, a, and, and recently there was a double mask randomized multicenter placebo-controlled trial um, that showed a three-fold improvement um, over the placebo group with significant improvements in things like proptosis and a measurement of quality of life. So pretty actually exciting. And if you look it up, you'll see, you know, there's some unique mechanisms of action that it has, uh, things that it can do that speak specifically to the pathogenesis of thyroid eye disease. So that is exciting. And it is eye news. So you're all welcome for that impart impartment of wisdom today. Jimmy, I actually had a patient ask me about this today. Shut the hell up. So why didn't we do this podcast yesterday? <laughs> Did they say that they heard something about it? And you're yeah. like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so just like, just like any patient encounter is a little bit twisted. So she's like, oh, I heard, you know, there's this new treatment for um, my proptosis. She doesn't have proptosis, by the way. but um, <laughs> And she pulled out uh, Maxitrol from her purse, and that's what she thought it was. Oh. Um, so there's a, some weird disconnect, but she definitely knew that there was some new drop on the horizon. Why she thought it was Maxitrol, I have no idea. But yeah. uh it so is interesting. This will actually be, uh, to, from my understanding, I think it's oral. I think it's a pill. But um, 
Yeah, still very interesting and definitely will be something that is utilized by us. So cool. So uh, we have a uh, a sponsor, Valley Contacts. They are uh, awesome and we're very grateful. And uh, this month, Save Your Vision Month, we have uh, also had uh, another uh, sponsor, PRN or Physician Recommended Nutraceuticals. And uh, we're we're super pumped to have them join us, especially for uh, Save Your Vision Month. Of course, uh, PRN has the Dry Eye Omega Benefits, which is the number one dry eye nutraceutical. It happens to be my go-to Dry Eye Omega-3 and is also used by over 5,000 ODs and MDs throughout the United States. Roya, what do you think? PRN's product is pretty awesome. I mean, they had a study published in Cornea showing that it's one of the only dry eye. Well, it their product had clinically improvements, clinical improvements in tear osmolarity, ocular surface disease index scores, tear breakup time, and P- MMP9. So huge clinical endpoint uh, improvement with a simple uh, supplement. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the neat thing about uh, their support is that they're offering all of our listeners a pretty cool incentive. So we have a unique URL, getprn, G-E-T-P-R-N dot com, getprn dot com. All you got to do is go to that uh, URL and you'll get $200 to learn a little bit more about what makes PRN unique. And it's a a very unique formulation of omega-3, highly concentrated and uh, bioavailable to affect change in your patient's eyeballs. So give uh, PRN a try. Go to getprn.com and get your 200 bucks. Thanks, PRN. Thanks, friends. So we'll do a quick cell pod of the day. Yes. Plural lens pearl of the day. So what's our pearl? Having a successful INR. Totes. You can be a perfect fitter. You can fit your lens like a charm. Be as good as Jen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right? But nothing is worse than a beautifully fitting lens that a patient can't get get in themselves. Oh, so So frustrating. What do you do to teach your patients how to get get their lenses in? Me? I I think, yeah, let's hear Jen. I don't want to know. (laughs) So I'm really lucky I have a rock star technician. uh, So if I can uh, do a shout out to Christy. Christy! Um, Thanks, girl. So... Christy's been doing INRs on scleral patients for months now and literally just learned how to put in a soft lens in her own eye yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, basically just having the, um, creativity and knowing when to try different things for different people is really important. Having someone or doing yourself repeating the same instructions over and over again is not really going to help anybody. We do utilize some uh, insertion and removal videos, but also have tried uh, a stand with a styrofoam cup uh, with a plunger uh, for patients who have difficulty holding the plunger and holding their eyelids at the same time. It's called the Toronto Uh, method. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Definitely not the Toronto method. <laughs> um, I'm sure I picked that up uh, somewhere else. Uh, and 
in re- reality, just basically gaining confidence. And we'll do a number of INRs. We don't care how many times you have to come in. If you want to wear the lenses, we're going to make sure you want to wear them. And just continuing to have confidence and instill that confidence on your patients is something that you need to be prepared for. But you kind of care how many times they come. You kind of care, but I tell you what, I'd rather have a patient who stays in sclerals and is happy in them and then tells their, their friends about their experience and, and how, um, you know, successful they were than having somebody, somebody drop out. And that's what I try and tell the practice. And they've been pretty good with me about it. Amen. Totally. I mean, obviously they can be challenging. INRs can take time and they can be challenging, but I think when someone is a right fit for scleral lenses and you can encourage them enough to teach them, I totally agree. It's, it's the right call. Yeah. I, I actually had three people today ask me if I wore contacts. Um, I don't. So, you know, every time they said, you're lucky, gee, you're lucky, you know, this is hard. And they were all scleral wearers. So, you know, um, what I was thinking about was the fact that, you know, that is, that's the cell pod. The cell pod is you need to be able to wear the lenses. You need to be able to walk the walk. And if you want to be successful with an INR, you know, Jen, your, your um, description of your technician is fantastic. She's got all of the skills, the person skills, but she lacks the, the actual experience of her herself doing it on her eye. Not that it's absolutely necessary, but it does take you to that next level. So the cell pod of today is to make your scleral lens champion, your, your, INR tech, a scleral lens wear also. So um, Valley Contacts has agreed to uh, allow you to fit your uh, scleral lens uh, uh, champion in your office for free um, to get them to, you know, so one member of your office staff would would be fit complimentary by mentioning this cell pod. And I think it's going to make you a more successful um, INR uh, team if you have somebody who's who's uh, you know has them on themselves. So, do you guys have have sclerals? I know Roy, you don't have a prescription. Neither do I. Jen, you're what are you? I can't remember. Um, my minus three fifty OU. Do you wear sclerals ever? I don't, but oh, I'd like to. But I, when you're the only one who fits them in the office, it's kind of a little tricky. But you're like a forty three K, right? Come on, I could probably fit yeah, you from it can here. Be. There we go. (laughs) Done. Done. Nice. All right, cool. Roya, anything else on that? What do you think? I totally agree. And I loved the, the comment about being creative and learning how to fit or teaching your patients how to fit. Um, just because somebody has some sort of limitation, don't let that be a limitation for fitting lenses. I just fit a patient that has super severe, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, the most deformed hands I've seen in a while. And, and a really bad shoulder in her dominant arm due to the rheumatoid arthritis. And I actually used these, the styrofoam cup Toronto method as well for her. It is the Toronto to, method. It is the Toronto. I heard, I heard it here today used. first. And she fits like a champ. I mean, she wears them like a champ now. It took a little bit longer than normal, but she is extremely appreciative of the opportunity to wear lenses. So anyways, nice. totally agree. So. So our topic today is actually kind of cool, though. Um, We decided to talk a little bit about practicing while pregnant. Yes. So being pregnant, practicing, and still saving eyes. Love it. (laughs) 
Making so, eyes and saving eyes. Right. At the same time. Exactly. <laughs> so um, anyways, there was an article in the Washington Post recently saying that the world's richest countries guarantee mothers more than a year's of paid uh, maternity leave while the U.S. guarantees nothing. About 25 years ago, uh, Bill Clinton signed the Family and Medical Leave Act, which includes a provisional um, or a provision giving eligible workers 12 weeks of unpaid leave um, after the uh, birth of a new child, with the emphasis, of course, on unpaid. And the U.S., of course, remains one of the only or it is the only country in the developed world that does not mandate employers to offer paid leave for new mothers. Um, just before we go into this more, as a practice owner, Jimmy, what do you think about that? Man, I'll tell you, it's um, I get tingles thinking about it. Like right now, I just got tingles because I'm so conflicted. Um, you know, I, I you have unfair, you know, as a husband and a father, and you know, going through that and seeing it in in my own personal life. You know, I have that experience, so I can't separate that. Um, but as a practice owner, you know, I definitely look at, you know, what we pay people and, and what we get out of them. And, you know, I, you think about it, you think about it and you think about it in a totally different way. And, um, it's, it is, it's, it's, uh, something that you do not, um, give enough credit to as a business owner for sure. Listen to this. New moms in Finland, for instance, are entitled to up to three years worth of paid leave. Norwegian mothers get up to 91 weeks. UK grants moms up to 39 weeks. Um, and our friends up in the north, our Canadian friends, get up to one year. And again, American moms are, by the U.S. definition, entitled to no pay or no no free weeks, right? No paid leave. Right. As a as a um, business, you can decide differently. But what the government mandates is is zero in the U.S. Right. And we know. Well, I don't yet, but you two know that having a child is expensive. It costs a lot, and on average. Um, from the report that the Washington Post pro provided, um, it cost more than $233,000 to raise a typical American child from birth to 18 years old, meaning that's about, if you do the math, $13,000 a year. I mean, on one hand... I think I spent $13,000 in diapers this past weekend. I was covered <laughs> from head to toe in smelly yellow watery poop <laughs> let me just tell you something thank you for that it makes you're me welcome have babies. <laughs> anyway on to the next topic no, i mean <laughs> jennifer what do you think as a mom and practicing like how do you feel being a, a female doctor slash mom changes your uh experience in the work field yeah i mean you know it's really a battle of kind of the minds in your own head. So on one hand, you want to be like the best parent, the best mom, and, you know, constantly be thinking about what's best for your child. And on the other hand, you have to go to work and you have patients and uh, staff and other people that you're responsible for. And you want to continue being, you know, the 
the rock star doctor that you are. Um, so it's interesting. I had a really good mentor, a really great friend of mine during my VA residency, who is a mom of four and just an amazing person clinically and uh, just an awesome person to be around. And, you know, she think, I think said it best and kind of said, listen, there's days where you're going to feel like you're just an okay parent. And there's days where you're going to feel like you're just an okay doctor. And that's normal. And I think about that a lot, probably, you know, more than I should admit, but it's hard. It's hard to leave your kid when they're crying and they're upset or they're sick and go to work and, you know, half the day's gone and you realize, oh, I didn't check up and I didn't, you know, see how they're doing. And it happens, but you get busy in clinic and, and, you know, you have to take care of your patients and that's what you're there to do. And it's kind of like a split life. Absolutely. It, it's crazy to think about, I think about my mom who was actually, she stayed at home with us mostly when we grew up. And then past that, she um, started substitute teaching. But if we wanted to like go to the nurse and just kind of fake a sickness and make her come pick us up, you know, like kids do that all the time, she could drop what she was doing and come and pick us up and take care of us. I think about now if like my husband calls me not sick or hurt, of course, but if he's like, hey, I really need help doing like a chore or something. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I have 10 more patients I need to see. And they took off work to see me like I can't do that. What is it like having a child and having like that as a, what's the priority? And not to say that the child isn't a priority, but I don't know. Is that a naive thing to yeah. say? Yeah. How does that work with you guys? Because I know, you know, for me, um, I think everybody's, you know, responsibilities kind of get divvied up, you know, in a, in a family, you know, and thank God, you know, I have a wonderful wife and, but who's also a professional, um, and has patience. And, um, and I know Jen, your husband is a professional also does quite a bit of traveling. So how does that work in, in your family? I know for me, um, Jill often is the one who drops everything and goes and, and, you know, that's kind of how we've, we've done things and she definitely carries the burden of everything. But what, what about you guys? Yeah. So we are so lucky. I'm sure you had people tell you before, you know, um, you had kids like, Oh, it takes a village. And I never really understood what that meant and, and was really confused by that. But we have an awesome support system that is just invaluable. Um, so uh, big, big shout out to my mother-in-law, Ellen, uh, and Ellen. my parents. Um, my parents recently retired down to Delaware, so they're oh, helping yeah. with childcare. Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, and Ellen watched Jonathan, you know, his first year and continues to watch him um, a few times a week. So we've been so lucky because you know, a couple sick visits, you know, minor things, uh, you know, our parents are able to take care of and we're super grateful for that. But Mike, uh, my husband does travel a lot, um, usually he's out a few nights a week. So if a major, you know, emergency or something, you know, crazy were to happen, I think I'd have to be the one to, to pick up. And I think the good thing is, is that most patients would realize that things happen in people's lives and, you know, you do everything that you can. But the biggest thing is just making sure that you have some sort of a backup plan and some sort of a support system um, in my mind. And we're really lucky to have parents that are around to do that. Because with my job, um, seeing the amount of patients I do in the day and with him traveling, it, it would just be really, really hard. With your first child, how much time did you take off? 
So I took off three months and uh, I did not plan on taking three months. Originally, I was going to take about uh, maybe four to six weeks because I went out on maternity leave three months after I started working at my practice. Mm. <laughs> so I was really concerned about uh, this relationship that I just started and, uh, you know, my patient uh, database growing and just my rapport with the staff and the doctors and how I was just kind of starting to get my feet um, from underneath me. And then I, I had uh, my son and it was time to go. Uh, but the closer I got to my due date, I realized that that time is really important. And I'm very, very lucky to have um you know, a good support team at my employer who understands the importance of that. Uh, we're a pretty big group and they've been through this a few times before. So they were really understanding. And I took the full three months and thank God I did because I had no freaking idea of what I was into. <laughs> None. Um, I thought we had just moved down here. I thought I was going to renovate the house. I thought, you know, I was going to like unpack and have all this time and I was going to like write a couple lectures and do, you know, do all these things. And, um, I literally was just a zombie. A zombie. <laughs> do you, yeah. do you plan on taking the same time for your second time around? I do. I do. Um, a, again, because I'm lucky enough to, to have that opportunity and also, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the second time it's it's really easy, but I I want to try and figure out that balance uh, and and try and set up some good groundwork, uh, you know, with my with my son and then uh, the newborn, just figuring out how to how to manage that, I think is really important. And I think it's going to be a big change again. Uh, so that time you can never really get back. Absolutely. So I'm going to I'm going to take what I can get. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, what about, so how far along are you right now? So I am 29 weeks tomorrow. Goodness. Yeah. Tell I'm us about what, like the early stages before anyone actually knew. Um, I have never been pregnant, but I've heard it's kind of <laughs> a bear. How did you hide yeah. that in the morning for your first morning patients? And did you have, did you have to deal with that or? Were your texts snickering around you, wandering? Yeah, so I'm really lucky. I, for some whatever reason, am blessed that I don't have a lot of, or I haven't had in my experience, a lot of like morning sickness or anything like that. Um, the biggest thing is just overall fatigue. And usually that hit me like midday or towards the end of the day. And, and honestly, that's pretty easy to blame on a pretty heavy patient load. Um, you know, you can only do it so many days in a row, but usually you can, you can figure it out. Uh, the first, my, my first pregnancy, I was actually in my residency. Um, and, and I'll never forget my residency director, you know, was saying things to me like, are you sure you're okay? And like, blah, blah, blah. And he knew, um, and he swears that he was the first one to know, um, uh. as weird as that is. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, um, at my current employer, uh, you know, everybody was really cool. And, and, um, I, I actually told them before my first day, uh, with my first pregnancy, because like I said, I, I was going in at mid pregnancy, but if I showed up on my first day, they would have known. And that's to me just kind of poor form. So, 
uh, after the contract was negotiated and everything was said and done, I, I had a meeting uh, with uh, one of the practice uh, um, managers and, and one of the the key uh, docs and, and let them know what was up and gave them a full heads up. The conversation was pretty pretty exactly like, to oh, exciting. Yeah. yeah, I was yes. like, so I have something to tell you and he go- he said you're, you're pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because that like I mean like you said Roya like you know what do you think of when you're when you're you know in that position that's kind of what you think you know you're like ah oh, crap you know like but you know I think having now seen, um, you know, my own staff and also doctors, um, go out on maternity leave and come back. Um, you know, it's just, it's all part of your family, you know, the practice, it's all part of your family and you want what's best for them and support them. The concern is of course, that they're not going to come back or they're, or they'll come back on a lot of a different, you know, that's a concern. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, a reality, I suppose, but it is, um, it's an unfair feeling. And I think if, if we had the rules of some other places, you know, probably going back at any point in time is still difficult. Um, it will, it would be, but you know, um, maybe that would be, maybe it would be a different feeling. I don't know because it's just so more, so much more automatic, but I don't know. I don't know. So what about now, uh, Jen, or even the first time around, um, when you're pregnant and showing, um, you know, what is that interaction like with patients and what is that interaction like, you know, can you give us some, some, uh, you know, some, some experiences, some statements, some things, some good, some bad, um, you know, is that, does it, do you feel different? You know, I mean, how, how do you approach that? Do you feel more confident? Do you feel less confident? Do you feel uh, concerned, not concerned? I, I just, I, I can't ever put myself in that position. So I'm just trying to, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing and I think it's a fantastic thing. So I just wonder how you feel. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, and I think a lot of people would agree with me who's been through this, you forget Okay. And so all of a sudden you call a patient in and they're like looking at you and they have this big <laughs> smile on their face and they're like, Oh, are you going to have a baby? Yeah. You know, or I had um, a seven year old just basically run up to me and hug me, hug me today and like put her hands on my, on my stomach. And she's like, it's a girl. And uh. her mom's like, you don't know that she's pregnant. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's all these different interactions. Um, but there is uh, probably a, a little bit more physical touch than I would generally tolerate, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is really sweet, but um, there, there are limits uh, to comfort uh, for sure. And it's also, it's also another really weird line to cross because I, I'm still seeing, you know, upwards of, you know, mid twenties, uh, as far as my patient load in a day. And then they want to talk about when you're due and what gender the baby is and why we don't know the gender. And, you know, any <laughs> question is like fair game. How much do you weigh? And, oh, you know, gosh, you, yeah. do you have heartburn? It's like, it goes on and on and you don't want to cut people off because you want them to feel like you're having that interaction and you're, you know, kind of glad that they, they want to they care talk to you and that they care right but um there's still kind of the clock ticking in the back right. you know around mind your own business <laughs> and that and that yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a lot of name suggestions and uh, um, yes. everybody wants to vote on the gender uh -huh. and everyone's really upset that we aren't telling people what names we're picking, <laughs> of uh, but they'll get over it. Uh, I did have one patient who uh, I was following, uh, you know, for um, a systemic case, a uveitis case, and, and her husband brought in a needle and a thread, and he wanted me to lay down on the floor, uh. and he was going to, like, <laughs> put the needle over my stomach, and I was like, uh, I think, I've, I've heard about this where you can do it in your palm, and, and luckily I didn't have to get down on the ground and, and lay on the <laughs> ground for this patient, but, oh yeah, goodness. you hear it all. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to see the AOA first look this past uh, um, month or uh, the, the new, uh, ac actually not first look, focus, AOA focus this past month it was all about female empowerment and girl empowerment. And um, it, it was the female, the forward is fem the, the the future is female, I think is what the title was. Yeah. And nothing is more, I think, empowering, of course, than, than having a child and giving birth. And so with that in mind and knowing the statistics of our profession, our colleagues in entering practice and currently in practice, what sort of advice would you give the majority of our colleagues who happen to be female, especially those entering practice and maybe planning on, you know, growing a family? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is realizing that this is something that if you have it in your personal goal, it's your personal goal. And it's a great thing to be prepared and have a game plan when it comes to your practice, whether you own it, whether you are um, an employee of a practice like I am, uh, you know, to have an idea and a game plan as to where to go. But you don't need to necessarily involve everybody from stage one because it is your own personal life. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, for some of the reasons we touched on earlier, feel like a guilt almost with, um, you know, starting a family and, and knowing that they're, that they may want to take some leave and which is important. Uh, but the reality is, is that it, you need to take that time for your personal goals as much as you do for your professional goals. Amen. Um, and you know, I, I try and be realistic. Uh, sometimes I look at what am I, what my other colleagues are doing and I think, Oh, you know, I could be doing X, Y, and Z and, and I'm kind of cutting back on some of the things that I do a little bit because my time with uh, my son and obviously being pregnant slows me down a little bit. But the reality is, is you just keep, those goals that you have in mind and maybe it takes you a little bit longer or maybe you take it a little bit step by step, uh, but it can be done. You know, right now, um, like I said, I'm still seeing patients and I'm actually uh, going through with my uh, candidacy application for fellowship for Academy. Um, I'm hoping to sit this, you know, upcoming uh, Academy, but if it doesn't happen, I've already kind of, I keep reminding myself like, it's going to be, it'll just be another year. And, and that's you'll okay. be waiting. And hey, you yeah. get it. Right. Pretty sure you get a discount the year you apply. So who's not a big deal to wait, right? Right, exactly. You know, so I've kind of, you know, always been a go-getter professionally in my life. So just realizing that toning it back a little bit isn't a bad thing. Um, and because you do kind of have to, to split your role a little bit. Um, but Love the it. reward is so awesome. Love it. Girl power, all about that. It's not just girl power. It's like family power. This is how we all got here, you know? 
people making decisions like this. You can be a strong, independent woman and have a great, thriving family. So love that. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us tonight. Thank you for sharing all those words of wisdom. Um, we really appreciate you taking your time away from your family to do this. <laughs> They're all asleep. It's okay. No, thank you so much. But seriously. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It was great. <laughs> well, that about does it. Before we go, we'd love to reach out to everyone for feedback, questions, stories, things you want us to talk about. Check out our Instagram or Facebook page or even call or text us. 920-350-8622. Uh, we can't leave, of course, without saying thank you to Valley Contacts for their support, both for their awesome lenses and, of course, the great people they are to work with. And, of course, reach out to them if you want to fit your staff, both free. Just mention this episode from Try Not to Blink, Pregnant and Saving Us. Be sure to tune in and listen to our next episode. But until then, try not to blink. Blink.